So we're teaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation. We're through midway through the uh, uh, chapter 17, Revelation 17. And uh, so uh, how many know that the whole book of Revelation is all about uh, Jesus coming back and righting every wrong and removing all of the contaminated things from earth that came as a result of Adam and Eve sinning? Yes or no? That's what the, that's what the revelation of Jesus Christ is all about. He's coming back to put this earth back like it was before Adam. Adam and Eve sinned, where there was no curse, where there was no sickness, no pain, uh, nothing but blessing, uh, prosperity at every turn. It was just a wonderful grand place. There was no devil or demons to have to fight off. It was just a great life. How many know that Jesus is the great equalizer? So, you know, you may, you may be chaffed at uh, inequity, injustice, unfairness, lying, people that take advantage of others, people who swindle, who lie, who cheat, who steal. And you say, it seems like they always get away with it. But friends, one day payday's coming. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. There are 21 judgments through the book of Revelation that come in, 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 in segments of seven. There are seven seals, then there are seven trumpets, they're sequential, and then there are seven bowl judgments happening over an expanse of time. And all of those judgments are from God towards sin, towards injustice, towards Satan and those that work with him. And those who have given opportunity, have been given opportunity to repent and just simply refuse to do so. They're stubborn in what they do. God, you know, how many know God goes out of his way to help us? How many know his mercy is amazing? And so you gotta understand this about the Lord. If God judges a life, or a family, or a nation. It's only after bending over and doing, so to speak, triple somersaults backwards. I've given you opportunity. Just come back. Do what's right. Make it right. Make amends. Repent of your sin. In the absence of repentance, judgment comes. And that's what the book of Revelation really, really shows. God is going to make everything right. So we've been going through this verse by verse Revelation 16, where the bold judgments, we went over that a, a couple of times ago and, uh, and, and looked at the seven bold judgments. Uh, the seal judgments, the, after the sixth seal, between the sixth and seventh seal, actually, the church goes to heaven. So a lot of the hard things you see, we're going to heaven. Is that good news? So, for instance, you read Revelation 8, Revelation 9, Revelation 10. It looks like meteorites hit the earth, change the atmosphere, change the vegetation, pollute the water. Um, that plus other judgments cause, looks like two plus billion people to die because of the atmosphere of the earth. We won't be here for that. So, when you read those things, understand Jesus. If you know Jesus and you're born again and walking with him, you're going to heaven in the rapture of the church. How many are excited about that? I need to say a few things, however, before I get going, and I'm gonna get going really quickly here, but um, I still see um, people talking and saying that, uh, well, we're not gonna be here for the Antichrist when he manifests the rapture, and they believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, and I hope that's true. If it's not, come and see me, because I got some things to share. It looks like the scriptures teach that we're going to be you know, part, part of the way through the time that the person in the Middle East, call, uh, uh, it's a leader, it's a, it's a national leader that, that leads several nations, 
Um, he's called in the Bible, the Antichrist. He won't be called that in the news media, but once he rises to power, we will see him. A lot of people think that it won't, he won't come and, and be revealed until the church takes off. But, you know, I don't see that in scripture. And we've talked about it in detail in these 30, this is the 30th lesson. So we've talked about it then in quite detail. So nonetheless, um, we do have some great things to look forward to here in Revelation 16. Again, this is the final judgments that cleanse the earth. In Revelation 17, he's backing up a little bit, backtracking. Jesus is coming to judge all that is wrong, all that is unfair, all that is unjust. Revelation 17, last time we talked about, we talked about the great harlot, that, which is a false religious system that started during, during the times of Nimrod in Genesis 10. Uh, Nimrod built two buildings. One was the Tower of Babel. One was, a, one was a, a, actually a temple to a goddess called Iana where all false religions began. And then all those false religions were touted in the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was the Temple of Abzu, which is the Temple of the Abyss. Demon spirits begin to be worshipped at the Tower of Babel and in the Temple of Iana. And during the time of Nimrod, the great hunter, during that time, people begin to migrate into cities. The idea of socialism, that is a government owning everything and doling out a little bit to everybody else, came from that era of time, second generation past the flood. The second thing that is unusual about that time is all of these false gods throughout all of the centuries of time and throughout history, if you're a history buff, are always worshipped with immorality and uh, sexual permissiveness. Now, that started second generation past the flood, and it's inundated the earth since. Revelation 17 is about Jesus taking this, this false religious spirit. He calls it the great harlot, and it's done with. He defeats it. It's over with. So we talked about that last time, and that same spirit is here when the Antichrist appears, and it could be, y'all turn me down a little. I still hear myself up here. Um, when the Antichrist appears, uh, uh, those same attitudes will be prevalent. There is a one world global ideology that is moving and a lot of people think it's the wisest thing going, the smartest thing going. And uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of politicians believe in the one world system. They think it's the best way because it makes everybody equal. No nations above another. Every person is the same. Everybody has the same amount of money. But see, what they don't tell you is there are only a few elites who are opulent. They're the oligarchs. They have all of the money. And then they dole out a little bit to the quote-unquote peasants who are left. Now, friends, the, the Antichrist will have that kind of attitude, and that is prevalent today. And there are forces at work seeking to get our own nation to go that direction. That's the reason you need to pray before you vote and pray for our nation. How many hear me? Phew, that was a lot to say, but it's all true. Nonetheless, Revelation 17, here it is. We're going to talk tonight about, about the... Um, uh, about the empires that, they, that, that uh, have um, been against God and that have been used by this, this harlot, this false religious system uh, throughout the centuries and centuries and centuries of time. And we're going to find out tonight. Uh, you, you can get an idea of where the Antichrist is coming from. It doesn't say who it is. 
but you get a really good idea just by reading the Bible. And so let's start right here, Revelation 17. First seven verses we looked at last week, we'll read them, and then we'll go past that tonight, make comments starting with verse 8. So Revelation 17, 1 through 7, New King James Version. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, that's the bowl judgments of Revelation 16, an angel come and administered each one, one at a time, came and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, and that's the false religious system, uh, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. What he's saying there is this false religious system has filled the earth. It's polluted the earth. It's polluted governments. It's polluted people groups throughout time, and and, uh, it's been a love of power. It's been a love of money, and it's been uh, steep, steep, steeped in immorality. Verse 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of the names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten hordes. Now the scarlet beast represents empires through history that have touted this false religious system, used it as a way to make money, used it as a means of power, and used it as a way to satisfy the lusts of the flesh with, with uh, uh, just abhorrent immorality and that's, friends, happening to this day worldwide. Jesus is going to knock this thing to the ground. How many hear me? And so he says here, and we covered this. If you weren't here last week, uh, we went in detail on this. The woman, verse 4, was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. She had one cup in her hand. There is the, all religions go, go to the same to the same devil. The devil, Satan himself, oversees all of the false religions of the world. Any religion that doesn't name the name of Jesus started at the Tower of Babel, had its origin with Iana, uh, with Nimrod, the mighty hunter who allowed that to be propagated, and it's still around today. Jesus is going to whip that thing. And that's the good news, and that's what you need to know. And, you know, again, religion... You know, people use, uh, some, a lot of people would rather have religion than relationship. I come across people regularly who would prefer religion over relationship. Religion asks for no personal examination. Religion asks for no real personal sacrifice. No, you just follow its, its, you just follow its laws, outward, outward rituals, et cetera, et cetera. And, and as for a lot of people, that salves their conscience, says, well, I've given my nod to God. Now I just keep living my life the way that I've been living it. How many know you won't get to heaven doing that? So it's a, it's a real problem. Jesus is going to come and whip it. Verse 5, on her head, on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Again, that's speaking of a false religious system that has been the earth, in the earth, all of these century, really millennia of time. Verse six, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. It's false religion that has persecuted the Jewish race and Christians since the advent of Christianity 2,000 years ago more than anything else. And it says here, this demon spirit that propagates false religion was drunk with the blood of the saints. That's the Jewish believers through the centuries uh, since the inception of, uh, of the Jewish race, almost 3,000 years. And then it says with the, um, um, 
you know, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Verse 7, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I tell you, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten whores. And when it says the woman and the beast that carries her, the woman, again, is the false religious systems that have been in the earth all the way since the Tower of Babel. And it says the beast that carries her. That beast refers to... Um, empires, nation states that have dominated the Middle East. And we're going to see tonight, they have dominated Israel. They've dominated Jerusalem uh, ever since um, uh, Jerusalem was a nation. And it's referred to here as a beast that has seven heads and then 10 hordes. We'll explain that in a minute. Look at Revelation 17, verse 8 and verse 9. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet uh, is. This beast here again is the empire of the Antichrist and it makes some really insightful statements here about how we know uh, what, where this empire of the Antichrist will be, where it manifests, and what we can look for today. So again, verse 9, he says, Here is the mind which uh, has wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains. See, it's all metaphors. Uh, the seven heads or seven mountains or empires on which this false religious system sits or, or which it uses here. The seven heads again are kingdoms that have ruled over God's people Israel uh, since Israel uh, had a beginning. There, there really are, and you can uh, look at history and see this fairly clear. There's seven empires that have ruled over the nation of Israel. So you say, well, pastor, how do you know where the Antichrist is coming from? How do you know when he's going to manifest? Those are, those are good questions, and the Bible has the answer. Part of the answer is right here. It says here there are, there are seven heads. The seven heads are seven mountains, uh, and I'm not going into what people have said. I don't have time. You can go look, look it up. They've said all kind of things about what this is or isn't and all that. These seven, these seven mountains are seven empires that existed over a span of time. Ever since Israel began as a nation and they have persecuted Israel. They are, here's the seven of them real quickly. The first one's Egypt and the king over Egypt was Pharaoh, remember? And they persecuted Israel and, uh, and they became harsh taskmasters. Second one was Assyria. There were two Assyrian leaders that uh, after the time of David, Israel was divided in the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. And there were two leaders, Tiglath, uh, Peleser, and then Sennacherib, who took the northern and southern kingdoms. And they just basically uh, uh, ruined Israel. And then next, number, uh, number three was Babylon. Uh, during the Babylonian captivity, a king arose, Nebuchadnezzar, began to persecute, uh, persecute uh, the, uh, the remnants of Israel, and they were taken off of their land for 70 years. And then, and then the Medo-Persian Empire, there's a king, Artaxerxes, during the time of Esther. He wanted to kill all Jews, and it was the hand of God that moved through a woman named Esther. 
who delivered Israel from absolute slaughter during that time. And then after that, there, there was the, the uh, Grecian Empire. Um, uh, Alexander the Great rose to power. He began to persecute Israel, and he desecrated the Jewish temple way, way back then. Then the Roman Empire, and there were, there were um, Roman emperors who just deeply persecuted the Christians in the first century. And then uh, towards the time of the destruction of Jerusalem at 17 AD, there was Vespasian, uh, who was the uh, uh, emperor. He committed suicide. And then there was, a, there was a general named Titus that actually led the armies that invaded Jerusalem in AD 70, tore down the temple, and ran the uh, Jews out of Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, he later on became, I believe, an emperor. And then, and then number seven. So there's Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. And then number seven. Now, this number seven did not exist uh, during the time, first century when the Bible was written, the last one uh, empire that existed during the time that John wrote this was, was the empire, was, was the Roman Empire. But see, the Roman Empire, if you study history, stopped just before 600 A.D. The, the Western Roman Empire was, was defeated, conquered. But then it continued on in the Byzantine Roman Empire. Anybody ever heard of that? And I've, I've told you this many times, Consta, uh, Constantine made Christianity state religion about 325 A.D. And then Constantine, there was a city, Constantinople, in, in what today is Istanbul, Turkey. That was, that was a city that was named after the Byzantine uh, Roman Emperor Constantine. And so the Byzantine Roman Empire actually, man, for another Gosh, uh, gosh, a thousand years existed, almost a thousand, not quite a thousand years existed, uh, the Eastern Roman Empire. And so, again, seven empires in history. All of these empires dominated Jerusalem, dominated the Middle East. So you got to understand when you're reading the Bible, talking about end time stuff, it's not going to talk about New York City. It's not going to talk about the United States of America. Even though we're world players today, even though the United States is the largest economy, the largest military, et cetera, by far, we have, we've had the largest influence, you know, particularly since World War II, uh, with the defeat of the Germans. And, uh, you know, uh, since then, we've just been such a world power. And so people in America, particularly reading the Bible, you're reading it through Western eyes and you can't figure it out. Don't read the Bible with Western eyes. It tastes Eastern eyes. So, so I like to say the Bible is Israel-centric. That is, Israel's in the center. And really, to get more pointed, the Bible is Jerusalem-centric. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. God's the founder of the city of Jerusalem. He loves that city. And, and it's really uncanny that when Jesus comes back, it will be the center of the attention of the world. Somebody said if you put all the land masses of the world together in one big hoop, right in the middle would be Jerusalem, right in the absolute epicenter of the world. Jerusalem is that. So anyway, quite interesting, Revelation 17.10, he says there's seven kings. And I just mentioned those, Pharaoh, Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar, Artaxerxes. I don't think it's on the, I think it's in my notes, not on yours. I never did transfer, sorry. I'll, I'll put them in there later maybe. Alexander the Great, Vespasian, and then the Byzantine Roman Empire under Islam in 1453. That one began, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. It says five have fallen. One is, so he's talking about Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece have fallen. And it says one is, uh, 
Uh, let me see where, yeah, yeah, one is and the other has not yet come. So up to Bible time, again, the last empire during Bible times was Rome. There was one that came into power, but they didn't know anything about it. They knew it was going to come, but uh, he wasn't revealed, at least to John, by Jesus as to who that would be. And he said, when he comes, he must continue for a short time. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about what it seems like. It's, it's a hand-in-glove fit. You, you know, you can't be dogmatic about these things, but when you understand the Bible, it starts making sense out of current events in a very uncanny way. Again, the last empire during the Bible times was the Roman Empire, but it continued as the Byzantine Roman Empire until 1453 AD, and that's when there was an Ottoman conqueror, an Islamic conqueror. His name was Mehmet the, uh, the Conqueror, Mehmet II, he was from the Ottoman Empire, and the Ottoman Empire, their whole goal, they wanted to take over the whole Middle East, the top part of Africa. I mean, they were going after it, but they never could, they never could conquer Constantinople, and the only way to break the Byzantine Roman Empire was to, uh, was to breach the walls of Constantinople and then take that city. If they knew if they could do that, then they could break the Roman influence of the Byzantine Empire there. And so in 1453, he got some Chinese gunpowder and he began to hit the walls with cannons and they breached the walls of Constantinople in 1453 and the Islamic conquerors came in there and they, they conquered the city and, and they took the symbols and emblems of Christianity away. The, the gaudy church, Hagia Sophia, one of the most beautiful ornate churches of its time, uh, was turned into a mosque, and uh, just really, really sad. Constantinople, its name was changed to Istanbul. Uh, and, and so for 407, I want you to get this, for 470 years, Islam controlled Jerusalem, Israel, the Middle East, and, and see all of these empires, Egypt, Assyria, uh, Babylon, uh, Greece, all of them, Medo-Persian Empire, uh, Roman Empire, all of them had, uh, conquered the same land mass and, and all of them oversaw that. And so again, when Islam conquered uh, in 1453 for almost, not quite 500 years, Islam dominated the Middle East, the portions of the world that the Bible talks about. That's really significant. Now watch this, having understood that, and it said here, when he comes, it says five of these kings have fallen, verse 10. One is and the other hasn't yet come. When he comes, he continues for a short time. Well, in the span of history, 470 years is not a long time. It's really a hand-in-glove fit. Then verse 11 says this, the beast that was, and it's talking about an empire. The empire that was and is not is himself also the eighth. The eighth what? It's the eighth empire. He said this eighth empire was, then for a span of time it isn't, and then it rises back to power. So all you have to do is go back to history. What empire in history was there for a while and then disappeared? And it says that's the seventh one. Well, which one fits that? If you look at history, the only one that seems to fit that really well is the Islamic Empire, the Ottoman Empire that conquered 
that conquered the Middle East and conquered Constantinople, which is in modern-day Turkey, you know that, in 1453. And for almost 500 years, after World War I, in 1923, the Ottoman Empire just ran out of power. And they were, they were has-been there. They lost their influence. They lost their power. Those lands were overtaken. The nations were divided up. New territorial lines were dispersed. And uh, the Ottoman Empire, right there in that area of Turkey, you know, now, Turkey became a Western ally. And uh, Artaturk was the first president of Turkey. And, and Turkey uh, is, is, uh, is named by his name today. And so for, my goodness, 80-something years, Turkey was an ally of the West, an ally of the, of the Western powers of Europe, of, of, of the United States and such. And here, let me, let me tell you a story of what happened because it says here, this, this, this next empire that will be here when Jesus comes back, it was, it's not, and then it rises back to power. So, so, so let me tell you what's happened. The late 1990s, I've said this a number of times in different venues, but in the late 1990s, a guy by the name of Recep Erdogan, have you all ever heard of him? He's the current president of Turkey. Listen, this is, this is the news today. Uh, he started an RCP party, and his party, if you go read history, he started a political party in Turkey. The whole reason he started it was his belief system says, I want to make Turkey, which is now just a secular state, you know, and it's run by government, etc. but there's no religion attached to the government of Turkey, and it hasn't been since 1923 when Artaturk took it over, you know, and became the first uh, president there. But he was for, for Recep Erdogan, his political party was for the bringing back together of Islam and the government of Turkey. He actually got put in prison for not quite two years because of his belief system and because he touted this ideology of bringing Islam back into the government of Turkey. He was, he was put in prison. You can look it up. And I got let out, I think, in late 2002. And he started back his RCP party again, gained power. And he became prime minister, now president. Now he's basically, you know, he's got unending power, unending years, almost like a dictator. And uh, he's changed the government of Turkey. He's, uh, he's put people in who are really, really friendly with Islam. And uh, he wants that to be an Islamic state once again. Uh, not necessarily friendly to the West. He changed the generals in 2010, 2011. The generals were very warm and friendly towards Islam, and he got rid of the generals that were not. So he's changed the whole thing, and here we are in 2021. Now, um, now Turkey is, is, you just understand, you just got to understand about Turkey. We have a, don't we have bases in Turkey? We have bases in Turkey because they've been an ally of ours. But there's beginning to be some challenges and problems. Turkey has a huge army. It has a four million man army. They have a huge army. Turkey um, uh, has the potential and actually is very influential in political things in the Middle East. So uh, when, when you talk about the Antichrist, you talk about where he's coming from, you know, and you look at the Bible lands that are spoken of with these empires, starting with Egypt, Assyria, and uh, Babylon, and, and, um, and, you know, Persia, and Greece, and Rome. And they all are on the, in the same area of the world. And the Byzantine Roman Empire that turned into the Islamic Empire, exactly the same landmass. 
The Antichrist will rule those same land masses once again. And what the Bible seems to reveal is there's going to be a league of ten nations. We're going to read through it fairly quickly here. There's going to be a league of ten nations that will, that will be in agreement with the person the Bible calls Antichrist, again, who will be probably the president or the overseer, prime minister, whatever, one of the nations. All of these ten nations, there are going to be ten nations that will gang together. All of these ten nations... If you look at them and what the Bible says specifically about them, other passages of Scripture, and Daniel and stuff, all of them are Islamic, every single one of them. Uh, Erdogan has an unusual ability to take the two different sects of Islam and talk to them like they're brothers. So, so what's going to be happening is um, Islam is rising again to power in the Middle East. I need to tell you a few more things about Recep Erdogan. Why it's so interesting, if you listen to his speeches in Arabic, and we don't know Arabic, but you can read the translations, he has been talking for a, a number of years about the desire that he personally has for the Neo. Anytime you read N-E-O, Neo, whatever, uh, it means new. The new Ottoman Empire. He's for the new Ottoman Empire arising. And he's, he's looking for a caliph or an Islamic ruler to rise up once again and overtake the Middle East, much like happened during those almost 500 years from 1453 B.C. and onward. He's all about that, y'all. And it's really uncanny. It seems really strange and weird that at this time he's been giving these speeches. At the same time, he's been talking to um, Saudi Arabia. He's talking to Egypt this week. He's, he's in cahoots with Iran. All these, all these neighboring nations just got a way of talking to them and, you know, letting them know everything's going to be okay and such. He could be a person. So is he the Antichrist? I don't know, but it really is uncanny what's going on right now. Another thing that you want to look at, everybody okay? I'm going to read through this fairly quickly. Another thing that's quite interesting is before uh, Donald Trump left office, and we talked about it last year, he began to meet with some of these Islamic nations, and somehow he created treaties between uh, three or four of the Islamic nations and Israel. Israel has never been recognized by any of the Middle Eastern Islamic nations as a nation. If you fly on any aircraft over Israel, go into wherever, and you've got the map of the Middle East, you've got the little plane map, the planes flying, you know, over various parts of the world, they, you never see Israel on a map, ever, ever, on any plane. I've never, ever seen, because they don't recognize Israel. Islamic nations don't like Israel. Now, if you've flown, you've seen what I'm talking about. But, uh, but last year, for the first time, this has never happened since Israel became a nation in 1948. These Islamic nations are wanting, they are entering into agreements, treaties, business ventures with Israel. That started happening last, what, August, September? And they're still wanting those same agreements even though we have another president. They still want those agreements. And, and you know, that could be the beginning of those 10 nations that gang together that the Bible talks about that will agree with the Antichrist and will reach some kind of a treaty with Israel. The Antichrist is gonna be friendly to Israel at the beginning stages. In fact, Daniel 9, 27, speak Everybody okay? 
Speaking of Antichrist, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. That's seven years. But after half this time, three and a half years into it, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Now, that tells you several things. First thing it tells you is the uh, Antichrist, this person, this Middle Eastern ruler, won't be called Antichrist, just be a you know, president of a nation. You know, he'll be friendly towards Israel, say, oh, man, yes, we're in an agreement with Israel. We're just excited to do business. We need the money. They need the money. We need the friendship. We're excited about it. So three and a half years into that, uh, it says that he puts an end to sacrifices and offering, and that tells you something. The Jewish temple will be rebuilt for the first time since A.D. 70. That hasn't happened. That's uncanny. That's unusual. And there are, there are things in place now for the Jewish temple to rebuild. Probably a very rustic uh, temple won't take very long. But the Hasidic Jews want to worship God with animal sacrifices because they don't believe Jesus is Messiah. And he's going to let them do it. So it could be that peace treaty allows them to build that temple. For three and a half years, they do that. Then he turncoats, desecrates the temple, and you know does something terrible that Jews hate pigs. Maybe it takes a pig in there. I don't know. But nonetheless, gets, they get really upset with him. And then he begins to persecute Jews terribly. And that's the beginning of what we've heard is the Great Tribulation. He, then he begins to persecute Jews and then also Christians, probably because of our morality. Perhaps we can, we've talked about that in the past. May talk about that more later. So anyway, all this stuff is beginning to work out. Honestly, you need to keep your ears pricked up like a dog's ear or a horse's ears. And you need to keep, if you see any news coming out in the Middle East, I don't know what it's going to say, whether it says an agreement, a treaty. There's some kind of a pact that, that's going to be entered into between the nations, the Islamic nations around Israel and Israel um, with, with a, a number of the nations there. And the person called Antichrist will give the nod to that and say, yep. And so look for an influential person in the Middle East who's a leader that rises up. Now, y'all, honestly, we're living in an era of time that honestly could happen at any time. This is the first time in church history you could say that. Israel became a nation in 1948. They regained occupation of Jerusalem in 1967. And then in 2017, the U.S. Embassy was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which we, as one of the lead nations of the world, are saying, we vouch for Jerusalem. We like Jerusalem. That's a really big deal. You don't understand how big that is. It's telling us that the time is ripening for Jesus to come back. Now, how is that affecting you? Are you preparing your children? Are you living in such a way that you could be living, leaving this planet in just a very few years? It's quiet. Are you sharing Jesus with your friends? Do you have a list of people uh, that you pray for every day that are in your family that are not saved, that are going to hell unless, unless they come to Jesus? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for the people you work with, your friends, your neighbors, the people you know? Friends, if they don't know Jesus when this stuff begins to happen and when the rapture of the church occurs, this will be a terrible place to live. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so this is a warning and a wake-up call. Americans right now are t- almost totally p- asleep. And now we've got some more money in the bank account. Hip, hip, hooray, let's party. Well, you need to be preparing for Jesus to come back because the world could change at any time. How many hear what I'm saying? 
So Jesus said this about the Antichrist and all I'm saying, verse Matthew 24, 21. Then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor will ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh, no saved flesh would survive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And so again, the rapture of the church will occur. We'll go home to heaven. Jesus will come back and whip this world system one day. Second Thessalonians 2, 8, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will destroy with and consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Aren't you excited about Jesus coming back? And so again, Revelation 17, 14 says, these, these nations that are in cahoots with Antichrist will make war with the Lamb and the Lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Again, Jesus will conquer the Antichrist and these nations that work in concert with him. Revelation seventeen fifteen. it says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits, we talked about that last time, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues and the ten horns which you saw on the beast these will hate the horn these ten horns are ten nations they will hate the false religious system that the bible here calls the harlot make her desolate naked eat her flesh burn her with fire now here's what you need to know islam fits this honestly hand in glove any nation that islam has ever conquered in history since mohammed's time in 600 ad when they conquer a nation they get rid of the history of the nation they rewrite the history of the nation and they and they want everybody to speak the same language they take away the religion they will allow no other religion except islam my friends, this sounds so much like that. He says here again, the ten horns you saw on the beast, the nations, they hate the false religious system. Islam doesn't like other religions. There is no other God in Islam except Allah and Mohammed is his messenger. And they don't, they don't amalgamate well with other religions and other nations. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the extremist sects of Islam and that's what it's talking about here. It's a real challenging thing to say. I know it is, but that's what the Bible makes very very clear that when the Antichrist reveals himself and these ten nations work with him, they're going to start fighting against these false religious systems that Jesus will eventually come and conquer. Verse 17, we're almost done tonight. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, to give their kingdom to the beast which is the Antichrist until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And that's talking about Revelation 18, Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great is basically a false religion that has ruled the world all of these years of time. What you got to understand about this false religious system, it's used, it's used the nations of the world um, to propagate itself. It's made the, the nation, it's made the kings and the emperors and the rulers opulently wealthy and they have used the influence of this false religion to make a name for themselves. If you read history, is it not true that kings had harems in history? They were sexually immoral, impure. Uh, in history, there's emperor worship. In fact, today, what do we call it? Juke, juke, juti. 
Juti is, all, is performed today in North Korea where they actually worship the emperor. See, those, the, that's the influence of false religions. They make the head a religious, the head person, the person to be worshipped during the time of the Bible. The emperors were worshipped, and that's the reason that believers were persecuted. They wouldn't worship the emperor. They would only worship the Lord Jesus. You understand? It's the influence of false religions, false religions that has just messed up the world all of these years. And right along with, with, with power and religion, it goes sexual immorality. And there's sexual immorality prevalent in all, of the, in all of the empires of history in the leadership. And it's uncanny today as I close to read articles that aren't even talked about in the news media where pedophilia reigned. Jeffrey Epstein was caught a few years ago. And he, he, they found that he had an island where little children are taken that have been abducted all over the world. They found millions of children all over the world. There are pedophilia rings. How many have read about this? Raise your hand if you've read. Raise your hand if you say, I don't have a clue what you talk about. Raise your hand. You just need to do some reading behind the scenes. The news media won't pick up on it because listen, this false religious system has bred all of this and the people in power, they have used this false religious mess because they thought they could get away with it. And sadly, sadly, when you read what I've read, you find out leaders in our own nation, leaders in America, I will call no names, but I'm telling you, they're Democrats, they're Republicans, they're governors, they're judges, they're senators, they're congressmen, and they're caught up in this mess, y'all. It's the same stuff that has decimated empires in years past. And it's here today. You wonder why, why America has such problems. We have such problems because we left the faith of our founding fathers. And you say, well, can't we do something about it? Yes, you can pray. And yes, we can seek God. And yes, we can vote for people who don't get involved in those things. They have an uncanny way of hiding it. What you need to know when Jesus comes back, he will make every bit of it right. Is that good news? Woo-hoo-hoo. That's a shocking thing. So Babylon the Great, next time, Babylon the Great, see, that's that false religious system. And every nation of the world has been affected by it and its wares and its sins and its immorality and its injustices. It's opulent, it's gaudy, and it's hell. And Jesus is coming back. In one day, it will bite the dust. So, you know, that doesn't make, you know, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, we've always been influenced by these things. But because we live in a fallen world. And my heart right now is, uh, I just, I can't tell you how I feel. Every day I think about the people that don't know the Lord. People are interested in Jesus and Christianity and Christendom in a large way in America because they've heard it all. They've seen it all. They know it all. And I'm saying, God, make them hungry once again. We just have a few years, y'all, before this is wrapped up and before Jesus comes back. My question to me, am I, am, I, am I interested in the people that God is interested in? And that is the lost sheep, the people that don't know him, the people that are away from him, the people that will die when all this hell breaks loose. 
before Jesus comes back. I don't know about you, but God wants us to be after it. Do you? Stand up on your feet. Everybody good? Whew, that's a lot to talk about, ain't it? Oh, my goodness. You seriously need to do some reading. You'll find some crazy things out about what's happening all over the world. God's beginning to reveal. I've been praying for many years that God would bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of the heart with respect to all leaders in all levels of government, in the church as well. How many know, I'm telling you, God will bring to light and expose the things that need to be exposed that hinder his purposes and hinder his ways. How many hear me? Let me end by saying this. Part of what you're seeing right now with the volatility, and I said this in a prayer meeting Saturday, the volatility in the weather, I think I mentioned it Sunday, the weather volatility that you will notice this year. In fact, this year, probably be a head turner as far as the weather is concerned and the extremes that we're going to see. That is a form of judgment on a nation. The first judgment that comes on a nation when it's sin, it's people as, as a whole disobey God, you know, throw away his commands, his desires, his ordinances, his laws and his way, his morality. The first thing that happens is nature turns awry. Nature turns negative. We're beginning to see that in America. The second thing that happens is something I don't want to happen. And that is he allows the borders to be breached by enemy nations. And there is war on the soil of that nation. Not a person listening to me wants that in America. Do you? But if we continue on the trajectory we're on, judgment looms before us. So why? Well, the number, the first reason why judgment came on Israel uh, because they worshiped the gods of the nations that surrounded them. And one of those main gods was Molech. And I've told you about that before. They would sacrifice their children in the fires of Molech. And the idea was to protect them from the ills and evils of the false gods. We're doing exactly the same thing in America. And nobody wants to deal with it when we allow abortion. We've had over 63 million babies aborted since abortion became the law of the land in 1973. And it seems like there's a large, large number of people in America that don't want that to remain the law. Yes or no? But it continues. And there's reasons why. And we need to pray. God will judge that. The other thing that will bring judgment of God on a nation is when a nation refuses to acknowledge God's holiness and God's moral laws. They are absolute laws. They are at laws of right and laws of wrong. And we have done that in America. And we have flipped our finger on our nose in God's face and put our fist up to him and said, we want to live any way we want to live, marry anything we want to marry. We want to love. We want to have sex with anything we want to whenever we want to. And friends, it is bringing judgment. And now we're living in an era, if I can continue this diatribe, that deception in America, I have never seen it the way it is now. Almost everything you see, the first thing I think is, is that really true? Because deception and lying is so prevalent everywhere. If you believe the news media, I don't know what to say. I could say several things, 
I could say you're foolish. I say you're, you're brainless. That's not kind. If you believe what the news media says by and large, there's only a few that you can even believe. And then you got to check it out. I'm just saying the media, politics, governments, now business. It's, it's entering into every era of life. And now social media, oh my goodness, it's all censored. It's all slanted. The facts have been distorted. That's the kind of world we live in, y'all. How many hear me? And, and, and nobody wants to talk about it. I will because I love you and I want God's best for you. Jesus is coming back to judge all of this. Before he comes back, we got a lot of work to do. So I want to encourage you, join us at the prayer meetings on Saturday. We're going to be praying for the nation, praying for revival. There is no answer outside of Jesus, outside of God, outside of a move of God, outside of a revival. Lift your hands with me. Lord, we just want to give thanks to you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your grace and goodness. Lord, you, we could have been born at any time in history. But somehow we're here today. You could trust us. Lord, can you trust us with what is coming? Lord, can you trust us with the gospel of freedom, the gospel of the grace of God? Can you trust us to share that with people that don't want to listen? Lord, can you trust us when we know that people are going to vilify us, marginalize us, laugh at us, make jokes about us, persecute us? Can you trust us to say lovingly, what needs to be said in the context of relationship, in the context of conversation. Can you trust us? Lord, I want to say, yes, you can. Can you trust me, sir? Would you work it in us that you can trust us with yourself? You can trust us with your word. You can trust us with your spirit. You can trust us with your love. We can trust, you can trust us with your honesty and with your integrity. Work that in every one of us, sir. And give us the kind of heart that you have for those that don't know you. Lord, we pray for this nation. We pray, dear Father God, for a fresh move of the Spirit of God in the United States of America. We pray for the government of this nation. Lord, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Lord, make manifest the counsels of the heart. Lord, bring to light the things that are hindering. Expose the rebellion. Expose the sin. Expose the lawlessness. Expose the treachery. Lord, expose the greediness. Expose the lust for power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, let it come falling down and remake the, the government of this nation in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us as your people to be salt, to be light, and to influence our surroundings in Jesus' name.